unveiling the secrets A-list copywriters use to make themselves and their clients millions. This is the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. All right, copywriters, welcome back to another exciting episode of the Copywriters Podcast. And we've got a follow-up from last week. Our our guest was so popular last week that we had to get him back on. Well, maybe that's a fib because he agreed to come back on even before we saw the response. But uh, we've got Justin Goff back on and, of course, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. David, how are you doing today? I'm good, Nathan. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. And I'm again, I'm just going to play fly on the wall and absorb as much knowledge as I can this week and turn it over to the two of you. Okay, thanks. Well, Justin, welcome back. Thanks for uh, showing up a second time. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me, sir. Sure. And uh, today we're going to talk about emails, email copywriting. Now, if you're like me, listener, you've probably heard more than a few people and things about talk, people talk about email. Justin's got some different points of view, and he's got the track record to back up his point of view. I mean, he doesn't think you should write them backwards or, you know, in digital code, but his his strategies and and his valuation of emails, well, I'll I'll let him explain <laughs> that to you. But let me just remind you, Justin has created from scratch three multi-million dollar direct response companies. And and his last one was a supplement company. And him and his partner scaled from zero to $23 million in sales in just under three years. And Justin sold his stake from the company, chilled out for a year. Now he's helping biggest direct response marketers, companies, boost their response and increase their average order size on their offers. He lives in Austin, Texas with his two great Danes, George and Dempsey. Welcome back, Justin. And you know, you'll never see this in an email, but you should know this anyway. Copy is powerful. You're responsible for how you use what you hear on this podcast. And most of the time, common sense is all you need. But if you make extreme claims, and or if you're writing copy for offers in the highly regulated industries such as health and finance and business opportunity, you may want to get a legal review after you write and before you start using your copy. My larger clients do this all the time. All right, now that that's out of the way, Justin, um, you seem to have a different view of emails for marketing from just about everyone else I know, and maybe they just haven't told me, but uh, from what I've heard unique things from you, I remember once on a webinar, I heard you say that you would gladly pay $5,000 for a good email. Could you tell us how do you look at emails differently than most people do and what is that good email that you meant? Yeah, sure. So I kind of look at emails in two different ways. There's the daily emails that go out and you see all the companies Companies like Agora do this, um, Ben Settle, a bunch of people teach this, um, where that's kind of like the relationship building thing with your niche. Then the other form of email is the promotional email. Old school people call them lift notes, whatever you want to call them. They're the ones that promote the offer, whether that's to cold traffic or affiliate traffic. And in my experience, getting a uh, an, an email to work, a promotional email to work on cold traffic uh, is worth a ton of money. 
because it, an email that works on cold traffic can usually run for about five to six months. So just think about five to six months worth of traffic and you're buying on hundreds of different lists. You can rack up 30, 40, 50,000 customers uh, doing that. Um, so like I said, you, you said paying fifty or paying $5,000 for an email. That actually was one thing we used to do with our com- at our company. We would, we would find really good writers. And um, I mean, I would write a ton of myself, but I, we put out open calls to other writers. And I was like, you get us an email that works on cold traffic, we'll gladly pay you a bunch of money. Because we saw how much it was worth to us. Even though I have other friends who are in the same business who are like, I would never spend more than $200 on an email. You're crazy. I know. And I look at it from, I'm like, you just paid some A-list writer $25,000 to write your sales letter and do the whole thing. And now you're going to pay some schmuck 200 bucks to write the email to promote it. It's you're crazy. Yeah, no, that, that, that makes sense. So uh, just to describe this for people who aren't up to speed on it, when you have an email that works on cold lists, you will rent solo email distribution. You'll, you'll, you, you get somebody like, I know Agora does this, uh, I think with Micromark where they will, uh, find people who have lists, and those people will send out solo emails that that Agora provides them. I'm sure there are tons of other people doing the same thing. That's what you're talking about with cold lists, right? Yep. And, and the difference between a like a great email that works on cold traffic and just like an okay one, uh, in my experience, can be anywhere from like ten to fifteen times the results. So w- when I when I would do them, I would write like four at a time. I would test kind of like four different hooks and. I'll, I'll test all four hooks. We'll see if any of them have any traction. Uh, sometimes you get lucky and one or two of them work right away, which is awesome. If not, one of them usually kind of stands out and it's like, okay, this one's pretty damn close to working. Now let's go do four variations of this or test like four different subject lines on it. Either way, kind of take that one that was close to working, then let's get it to work. So basically with like promo emails, that, that's kind of the strategy I use. And yeah, like I said, a good a good email if you know a good email with someone who knows how to buy lists like you were talking about someone uh, who knows all right let's buy on newsmax let's buy on glenbeck let's buy on this cooking site let's buy on wherever you can scale these things like crazy and e- email buyers are actually much better buyers than you would get on uh, facebook or native ads or like they're worth so much more they're they're great buyers Okay. So like with Glenn Beck, it's going to go out to his subscribers, right? It's not just going to be up on his site or or on his web TV show or anything, right? Yeah. So if you were on the Glenn Beck email list, um, so let's say I'm on his list right now. I get offers from him for, uh, let's see, there's people that buy stuff for insurance things. There's finance stuff. So a lot of Agora stuff, there's survival food, uh, there's health supplements, uh, those tend to be like the big ones. Um, there's like AMAC, which is an AARP alternative for conservative niche. Hmm. Um, all kinds of stuff like that. And these offers, like I said, are very, very scalable because there are hundreds of lists in uh, in a lot of these niches. Okay, that's great. So could you talk at all? You did a little, but could you talk any more about how you used uh, emails in the companies you built? I remember there was this one that you shared to that small list of, you know, uh, I don't know, uh, friends and and monster business builders that you put me on <laughs> uh, that you said got more than 
anything else kind of embarrassing or you know, up to talking about that one yeah so uh wait which one are you talking about pooped your pants oh the poop one um that was a so that was an email to the internal list that was just like one of the daily emails but it was promotional in nature because it was promoting a digestive supplement and th- that was kind of one of the things i've realized so th- there's kind of the biggest the biggest email that always works well the biggest angle is always a good story um and that's whether either it's promotional or like a daily email a really good story is it i haven't been able to beat it yet and yeah, when, when I did a, I did a couple of emails to our list about a digestive supplement and, and David used this example and I think we were teaching some of the Agora people. Yeah. Yeah. I wrote this whole email about basically a digestive problem that a lot of people are familiar with, which is being out somewhere. It was being out on the golf course and all of a sudden it urgently hits that you got to go poop and there is no bathroom nearby. There's no nothing. The guy goes running and runs in the woods and poops in the woods and all his friends are shaming him and it's embarrassing and all this. Anybody with digestive problems is going to relate to that story because they've never talked about it, but at least once or twice in their life, they've come, they've either had that happen or they come damn close to having it happen. It's, it's a real fear in their mind. Sure. Um, and I remember kind of, pro- it was probably about four or five years ago, it dawned on me that um, the stories that you don't want to share, the ones that like make your stomach churn because you're like, oh, that's kind of scary and gross. Those are the ones that people relate to because they're thinking the same thing and they just never want to admit it. Yeah. I mean, in a way, it sort of validates someone. Oh, I thought I was the only person in the world who was worried about pooping my pants on the golf course. God, you know. Here's this other guy, and he's willing to talk about it. He's got more balls than I do. That's pretty cool, right? I mean, that's that's kind of the reaction, and then they bond with you a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. The, this, like I said, it's it's the stories, the stories you don't want to tell. There's a really great uh, quote by Robert Glover. He wrote a book called No More Mister Nice Guy, and he I use this quote all the time. He said that people don't bond with other people because they're perfect. They bond with each other because of their flaws and their rough edges. And that's really kind of a, an overarching theme that I use in emails. It's the little things and the stories and the things you don't really want to share and the little like quirks that people really latch onto because you can feel the authenticity and you can feel the realness. So whether that's a daily email or a promotional email, that's what people can really latch onto. Yeah. There was another email that you shared where you actually did a video for your, your private list and you, you broke it down. And it was about a veteran. I, I don't remember what the product was. It, it was fantastic email. Could you talk about that at all? That, that's a little different, I think, right? Do you have a problem with Kindle books? I do. Sometimes I really just want to hold a book in my hand so I can turn the pages and highlight stuff and make notes. That's one reason I recently released the print version of my book, Breakthrough Copywriting. And listen to this. On Facebook, I've gotten pictures posted from around the world, pictures of people holding their printed copy of Breakthrough Copywriting in their hands, including one from an A-list screenwriter and marketer in L.A.'s famous Topanga Canyon. He was reading the book in his hot tub. Breakthrough Copywriting is a great book for you, whether you are a beginner or an A-lister yourself or anywhere in between. It costs a tiny, tiny fraction of my $5,000 a head seminar that the book is based on. 
So check out Breakthrough Copywriting on Amazon.com. Now, back to the show. That was one of the uh, promotional emails. So that was about the doctor who actually endorsed our product. Well, he endorsed it and semi-created it. So I wrote the email about his story because his story is great. He was like 62 years old and he basically looked like he was like 40. And we're selling an anti-aging supplement. So perfect fit there. Mm -hmm. And yeah, we talked about all kinds of things. How he's at his age of 62 years old. He's basically like going around like a guy half his age. He's competing in martial arts tournaments. He's whooping on guys that are in their 30s. Um, He's got perfect blood pressure and cholesterol levels. Um, His blood sugar is that of someone 10, 20, 15 years younger. Kind of go through the whole thing. And then we talk about how... And then we kind of like... It slowly went into the pitch for the product. But it, it was a really good... It was a really good... There was a lot of drama in it. Uh, there was a lot, there was a good story in it. There was obviously this avatar, the doctor who basically everyone in this market who's 60 years old would be like, Oh, I I would like to be like that. Yeah. And there there was a lot of realness to it. I also like, I put a couple lines in there that I think that really helped. Like I I didn't say I put, I didn't 100% be like, he looks like this because of the supplement. I was like, yeah, he also, he's a big fan of the paleo diet, but that's not the only thing he's using these days. And that, that kind of gives it a little more credibility. Yeah. So like I said, that was a home run email. Yeah. That was one on like cold traffic that worked for us for, man, probably close to a year. And then that brought in ton. I mean, probably hundred thousand customers. So why do you, why do you think it worked? I mean, you said that, you know, guys who can identify with his age would be longing to look like him. Can you think of other reasons? Were there things you put in that promotional email that you don't see a lot of other people putting in their promotional emails? I don't just mean the particular subject matter. I mean, the approach that you took to it. Yeah. So I kind of look at the email in a vacuum, uh, kind of the same way you would look at a sales letter in a vacuum. So the sales letter you want you want a good headline, you want a good story, you want a lot of proof, you want... If you can get drama, conflict in it, awesome. If you can get scarcity in it, awesome. Um, I look at email the exact same way. So my email was... Compared to like a lot of emails you see out there, mine's pretty long. Mine are usually two to three times the length uh, of most emails you would see. And a lot of that stuff is in there. So there was a good story. There was good drama. There was a lot of proof in it. There was good pictures that showed proof. Uh, there was scarcity involved with, it was like a limited offer. We only had, and we were giving away, I think we were giving away samples in that one. Mm-hmm. And so there was only so many of them that we'd give away. Yeah. I mean, a lot of stuff that you would put into a sales letter, I basically try to do that in an email. So one of the things, one of the mistakes a lot of people make is there's really good stuff in the sales letter and they'll be like, they don't put it in the email because they're like, oh yeah, well, they'll see that when they get to the sales letter. Well, they're not getting to the sales letter if they don't click. So leaving out the best part in the sales letter, or I mean, leaving it out in the email is a huge mistake. Well, so from a writer's point of view, you're afraid they'll get bored. Well, they already read that in the email. It probably doesn't work that way, right? I mean, can you repeat some of the same information, same benefits, even same language? in the email and on the sales page? Yeah. So the, the two email writers I'm actually like training right now, that's one of the very big things I have them focus on. I'm like, go through the sales letter, 
find the two or three things that like really stick out to you. And you're like, Oh, that really catch your attention. And if there's one that's really big, that should be the main focus of the email. Um, that, that strategy works every time. Okay. And what about subject lines? How are they like headlines that work on a sales page and how are they different? So subject lines have changed a lot. And I would say in the last two years, you used to be able to do a really good subject line. And then, so a lot of this changed with a lot of the uh, getting into the Google primary inbox. So now, like if you notice, like on my email list, when I send out my daily emails, I actually don't put a whole lot of thought into the subject lines, mostly because I'm more interested in getting the email into the primary inbox in Google than I am of hitting a, a winning subject line. Because being in the primary inbox in Google is going to get me probably 40 to 50% more opens than writing a great subject line and landing into the promotional folder. Okay. So that's a little different, but for daily emails, that's a big deal. Um, for promotional emails, probably my biggest thing is um, something that stands out, something that provokes curiosity. And I, I, I try to keep something usually actually at the front end of the, of the subject line that is a little like different. So like some of my best subject lines, uh, we had one that was like U.S. military... Uh, U.S. military super drink being released for free, blah, blah, blah. So the first word being U.S. kind of like catches your eye because it's not like a normal word. Mm -hmm. The same way I did one about for a digestive supplement. It was FDA issues dire warning about antacids. FDA being the first word uh, catches your mind or catches your eye way more than just like a regular word. Um, that's kind of like a little thing, but... it. I, over time, I've noticed that it makes a pretty big difference with subject lines. Okay, that's that's pretty cool. Um, so you're talking about daily emails and promotional emails. If if you have a cycle of daily emails, like let's say there's 30 days in a month. I know some have 31, so, but let's say there's 30 days in a month. Um, so you're going to send one out every day, if, and that would be a daily email, and it's probably content, it's relationship building. Does the promotional email is it one of those is it like a second email on one day i mean how do you how do you fit that all in into the cycle from the point of view of timing and 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 uh, delivery yeah so the way i did it so when i was running patriot health the way i did it was there was a daily email that went out every single day and then um the daily every every email I sent out had some type of promotion in it, whether it was what I call kind of like a soft promotion, where it'd just be like a link at the bottom or even a banner at the bottom, um, some way they could buy. Because when you have like when we had a decent sized list, just putting a banner at the bottom, it, we'd make five thousand dollars in sales. So it's like okay, like nice. yeah. it's it's really dumb not to put that in there, and you kind of have to keep in mind that. The majority of people are not reading every email you send out. So like some people are like, well, I want to send out two promotions a week. I only want to promote things twice a week because I don't want people to get too mad that I'm like promoting stuff all the time. Yeah. The problem with that is that majority of people might only be reading one or two emails a week. So if they don't read your one that has a promotional thing in it, you have no chance of selling to them. Um, so I'm a big fan of having some way for them to actually buy every single email. 
like I said, what, whether that's a soft thing, uh, mo- most of the time when we sold to our list, it was not a hard sell ever. It was very much like if we did a thing for an air purifier, it was a story about how the air purifier um, like cleaned up the whole house before this like retirement party we had. And everybody was complimenting how the house smelled great. And it usually smells like dogs or something like that. And is that like a daily email or a promotional email? Or did you not even like make a distinction at, at your last company? I didn't really make a distinction because I, I kind of blended them all pretty well together. So my idea was you could read one of my promotional emails. And even if you didn't buy, it was kind of usually like a pretty entertaining email. And you were thank, thankful that you like read it. Yeah. I think there's, there's a lot to be said about that. And not just taking like an affiliate sends you over a swipe file and you or a swipe email and you just play, paste that into your email thing and send it out to your list. Um, I think that it erodes a lot of the credibility and authenticity that you're trying to build with your list. Talk about that because um, I, what what I'm guessing is going on behind what you just said is you're taking this shit very seriously. That you're having a com- personal communication with the person reading this every single day. And all of a sudden you type in these words in a different voice, you know, and maybe it's you or maybe it's, but it, it, it seems like what happened? Did he just have a psychotic break or, (laughs) uh, or is he trying to spam me or what's going on? am, Am I right about your point of view on that? Absolutely. Um, absolutely. So yeah, it, it's very weird when you're trying, especially when you try to do the, we do the daily emails like I do them where they're very personal and they're, I, I do a lot where it's almost like a daily radio show. It's like, I, I've stolen a lot from like how Howard Stern does his stuff. It's, it's very personal. It's very like entertaining. And if all of a sudden I'm just like pasting swipe emails in there, it doesn't really fit. Um, and, it, and like I said, it, it does, it erodes away like this trust and this bond you're kind of building up. Yeah. Even even if the swipe does perform better, I don't think long term that it's worth it. Man, that that's that's interesting. Um, it's sort of like, okay, I can pick your pocket today, but tomorrow you won't trust me. Is that is that, is that sort of what you think is going on? It really is. Um, I mean, I guess if you're in a niche like weight loss, where you're just burning through buyers every month and you don't really care and maybe just send them all the promos you want and make all the money you can. Mm-hmm. But I, I kind of look at it much more. I'm looking for building a real bond, building a real uh, relationship. I want them to open my emails every day and actually like look forward to reading them. Um, yeah. Like I said, I mean, Howard Stern, Rush Limbaugh are probably the two best radio broadcasters of all time. They both do this incredibly well in, in actually very different ways. And to very very different audiences. And and you probably listen to both of them. So that would make you pretty hard to categorize. <laughs> um, I'm a huge Stern fan. I've listened to Rush before. I, I'm not actually really into like political radio, but I'm a okay. huge Stern fan. And yeah, every time I listen to him, I just realize how much more of a genius he is. Uh, oh yeah. He's good. I'm personally, I'm, I'm a big fan of Joe Rogan. Uh, I was joking about that before. Last week before our other podcast, I, I love the way he did. And he goes on for three hours, and occasionally there's someone he has on that that you actually want to listen to him talking to him for three hours. But it's it's different. It's not it's not that moving entertainment thing like Howard Stern. But but cool. I get what you're saying. So I I, I guess 
you know, one question that was crawling around in my mind is uh, you're not really putting on a persona. You're not trying to be someone else. You're, and in fact, just the opposite, right? You're sharing more of what's going on inside you, but you're not trying to be an actor. Yeah, definitely not. I, I think that's where some of the other email gurus fall short. It is a lot of them. It is an obvious mask. And when you meet them in person, it's very obvious that they're different than what you're hearing. Mm-hmm. To me, I, I, don't, I don't think that helps any because people, people who are astute can, can see it. And, and the reality is, like, when you, like I said, when you share the stuff and you don't like hide it, like, that's when you get the most. Uh, so you're on my, I'll give you an example. You're on my list now. Mm-hmm. I sent an email on Mother's Day about basically my relationship with my mom has always been very, uh, just we butt heads. I wrote you back about that. You remember that? You did. You yeah. did. Um, it has always been very confrontational. Um, so when Mother's Day came up, it's, it's a very weird holiday for me to see all these people pouring their heart out to your moms. And I have this very, um, just nothing was ever good enough for my mom. Uh, everything I did never lived up to it. And and that's like really, really messed me up for a good chunk of my life until I've really been working on it for the last, uh, probably like year or so. But anyways, I wrote that email, basically just poured it out and talked about that. I got, there's 250 people on my email list. I got, probably 85 replies to that wow from people just very similar to what you said like oh my god i relate to this so much my dad was like this or my mom was like this that type of stuff is when you know you're doing it right uh because that that hits on a different level than like teaching someone something that's that's a deeper uh personal bond that that is hard to hard to get very very cool uh all right, so we're we're running towards the end. We're running out of time here, but I know you're doing some work for a small group of clients with emails, and I think your pricing structure is one of the more interesting ones I've ever seen. Sure, yeah. So, like I said, I, I saw how valuable promotional emails are to certain companies. They were hugely valuable to mine, uh, and I basically put together this really no-brainer offer for companies that run a lot of email traffic, I was basically like, I'll write you four emails at 200 bucks an email, uh, super low price. And you test them. And if any of them work on cold traffic, and you're able to run them on cold traffic, then you pay me uh, a one-time fee of 25,000 bucks. And yeah, I got I sent that out to my list and probably 9 to 10 people emailed me back immediately and were like, I'm in. So I think right now I got three or four of them signed up. But that, that kind of for all the copywriters listening, that just kind of shows you it, when you're working with the right companies, the power of you get them results, they are glad to pay you. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's been my experience as well. So if somebody wants to get in touch with you um, again, should they just send you an email? Yeah. Shoot me an email, justingoff at gmail.com. That's awesome. Well, th- thank you again for taking the time and, and sharing this information. It's unique. Uh, I don't know if you've heard this kind of stuff before, Nathan, but I never have. Yeah, I just want to say thanks for coming on, Justin. This has been a very fascinating conversation. A lot of uh, a lot of the stuff that you hit on is stuff that I implement in my email marketing, but I don't really see very many other people implement in their email marketing. So I'm 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 glad that you came on and confirmed some of my own personal biases. Awesome, man. Confirmation bias. All right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, David, what do we got coming up next time? I'm still working on it in my head, to be honest with you. Justin has 
convinced me to be transparent. I don't know, but I, I got some ideas. They're not quite articulable yet. Okay, sweet. So we'll just have to find out next week. Until then, make sure you're checking out the Copywriters Podcast website over at copywriterspodcast.com. Make sure you're subscribed. Go to iTunes, leave us a rating and review. We would appreciate it. And we will catch you next time. If you found this episode valuable, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. That way you'll never miss a show.